we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up, you tuning in to Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on, let's begin. This is episode number 70. Not sure if there's going to be a 71, but thank you for joining. We have a great episode for you guys today. You know, on a Tuesday after a competition weekend, and you're trying to find out who got Summit bids, who got Worlds bids, you probably go to cheertheory.com. Or you're on Facebook and you see a quiz that tests your cheer knowledge. It's likely that it came from cheertheory.com. I actually recently saw a blog that talked about if you needed a paid bid to actually win Worlds. Well, today we're talking with the man behind the Cheer Theory website. I don't want to butcher his name, so I won't. But today we have on Alex G. Now, real quick, if Cheer Theory is not a part of your regular cheer intake, whether that's on Twitter, IG, or just the website directly, it needs to be. Alex and I talk about all sorts of things. We talk about how he started Cheer Theory. We talk about his thoughts on the industry today and everything in between. But before we get into that, do us a favor and share this podcast with someone who just flat out loves cheer. And if you love this podcast, there's a couple of different ways that you can support it. First, in the show notes, there's a couple of links. That first link is to the survey. Now, guys, if you're listening to this and you've been listening and you haven't taken the survey, what are you waiting for? You're like listening right now. Go, yeah, you've been talking about this survey for weeks and I still haven't done it. Do the survey. Let us know what you like, what you don't like about the show. That way we can give you guys and bring you guys a better show. Next, you can actually make a real-life financial donation for as little as 99 cents a month. Did you know that in Australia, you could actually buy a McDonald's slushie for only 99 cents? And real quick, shout-out to all of our financial supporters, the people who donate, Sheila, Sarah, my mother, and our newest supporter, Caroline. Caroline, I really appreciate you. Again, I'm trying to take this show to the next level by joining a mastermind group, and you can help that come true. So help me help you have a better listening experience. Lastly, if you have a question that you want answered on the show, you know, our question of the week, you can submit your question by clicking in the link. There's another link just for the question of the week. Click that link in the show notes, leave your question, and we will get your question answered on the show. I'm the cheer director at American Cheer, AKSC.com, sharing with you my life, running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with the parents. And on the other side of the microphone is the man behind cheertheory.com, the all-star cheerleading website that actually talks about all-star cheerleading. Without further ado, my conversation with Alex. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Jason. I'm super excited to be here. So first, how did you start into cheer? How did I start into cheer? So I am originally from the suburbs of Chicago, and uh, it was a classic story of doing gymnastics classes, uh, you know, at a local gym. 
And I'd been doing it for a while and was not very good at anything except tumbling. So there was a very small all-star program in the gym. They only had two teams um, and they didn't have nine panels of floor. They only had the gymnastics floor available to them. And somebody who I had done gymnastics classes with for years, uh, we said, went to the dark side of cheerleading. and you know joined the team and i was like okay i'm not really ready to you know jump to that side yet and then another year passed and a new season was starting they're like you should really try this you probably really like it um and then i started attending their practices instead of doing gymnastics and uh that's kind of how it all began and very quickly that program was absorbed into a new program that was down the road uh, that was called cheer alliance uh, which no longer exists today. They're under a new name. And uh, it was, I was there for two years. It's where I developed my passion for cheerleading. Uh, still have, you know, all of my OG cheer friends uh, from there. And, you know, I was there for a couple of years and I was, you know, looking to take the next step into, you know, joining a world's program um, and went to a gym that was a little farther north uh, near the Wisconsin border called uh, Cheer Fusion. And I was there for a season and that was a very small program. Um, and they had a really interesting world's team uh, that kind of caught the, you know, it was it was exciting. They were doing exciting things um, and we had a really good time. And at the end of that first season there uh, is when they merged with Ultimate Athletics, which is a gym that most people recognize from the Midwest. Yep. Um, you know, with some famous teams like Legacy and Prodigy. Um, and so I ended up on Prodigy my senior year of high school, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I still have friends from there, too. Um, you know, some cheer OGs uh, were coaches there, uh, like Demo and uh, Earl. Yeah. And, uh, with, you know, we, with also Craig L., right? Yeah, yeah, that was Craig L.'s gym. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. I actually, true story, I flew out there. I guess I can tell this story now. Um, I first, I just got into American and Craig L like really wanted me to be like his gym director. And I just, I just got into American. Like I just got in here and he's like, I really want you to be my gym director. And I'm like, no, I, I really, I just made a commitment to American. Like I just got here and he's like, well, I got some other business things I want to talk to you about, you know, feel free to come and just come out to Chicago and let's talk some other business things. But I told him like me being your director is like off the table. And he's like, we got other things to talk about. Only thing he tried to do is convince me to be his um, gym director. But, you know, we flew out there the day after the Cubs had won the world series. And then he took us down or he took, it was just me. Oh wow! Took me downtown. And it was downtown Chicago the day after the Cubs win was absolutely insane. So, you know, we had a good time. Um, Had to deny his offer to be the gym director there. But um, yeah, that might, I guess that kind of turned out to be a good thing (laughs) in hindsight. I love that he took you, I love that he took you to Chicago and not i'm glad it's yeah. hilarious that he didn't take you to where the gym is because the gym is not in chicago it is like <laughs> right wakanda illinois it's 10 miles from the border of wisconsin yeah middle of nowhere so but we had a good time and you know i could say i went to chicago but anyway so that was with craig l ultimate athletics yeah or was it ultimate athletics ultimate athletics ultimate athletics yeah yeah 
Yeah. So I was one of those people who was like, I am done cheering at the end of high school. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm moving on. I loved it for, you know, what I thought it was. And I was like, I'm just not doing this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to have a great time. And I knew at the time that uh, I had already committed to the University of San Diego. Um, I was very sure about going to college somewhere warm. So it was either the University of San Diego or the University of Miami, Florida, um, and ultimately decided uh, University of San Diego. And this was right before Worlds that like I made that commitment. And uh, I remember competing at Worlds and, you know, sitting in the rafters of the Milk House when it was still called that with, you know, my cheer bestie. And we're sitting really high up and then Callie Cohen comes out and I had spent the entire year fangirling over Lady Bullets or Cali Elite yeah. or whatever they were called in 2011, you know, that magical year they had. Um, I hadn't been following Cali Cohen as closely. And so, but we were there and, you know, they came out and both of us were just in awe. You know, we were on a good team, but we weren't on a, it was not a Cali Cohen caliber team. And she was like, you need to do it. She's like, you need to join that gym. She's like, she, we had already talked about how they were like mm-hmm. 30 miles away from where campus was and where I was going to be living. Um, but I was like, I don't think I can do it. I was like, there's no way. Like it, that routine is so hard. Like, I don't think there's any way I could survive it. Like I was good, yeah. but I wasn't that good. Like I was pretty realistic about, you know, my cheer aspirations and you know, whatever. So I was like, I'm still not going to cheer. And then I remember being on the plane ride home and thinking I can't be done yeah. like this can't be it like this can't be the end of my you know career and everyone's sure. through that right we're, we're going through it right now yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um and then you know the whole summer is there as you know I had three months until I moved to California and somehow some way Anthony Walker who uh now coaches at Cali Mesa reached out to me on Facebook was like hey I heard you're moving to California you should be on Cali Coed. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, how did you find out I'm moving? And I was like, I don't think I'm good enough to be on that team. And he's like, nah, you're fine. Like, it's fine. Like, we need more boys. Like, you should join. I was like, I don't think so. But thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. And then, like, a week went by and Adam Champion reached out. I was like, hey, heard you're moving to California. You should definitely be on Cali Coed. I was like, okay, that's great. But I looked it up on a map and it's 30 miles away from campus. I don't have a car. Like, this is before Uber was a thing. Um, I was like, this is just not going to work. And um, he's like, we'll make it work. He's like, he's like, send me a skills video and we'll make it work. And I was like, okay. So I sent the skills video. I end up on the team, long story short. And for that entire year, while the first semester I was there, Adam Champion would drive me to practice. On, we practiced only on Saturday and Sunday mornings. So it ended up being perfect because, you know, you don't have class on Saturday and Sunday. So it worked. Um, so glad I had that experience. And it was, honestly, it's the reason that I was able to, you know, create cheer theory in the end. So I can talk more about that. But, you know, meeting all those people and, you know, being in a gym that, um, you know, has such a high standard uh, was a totally, not to say that, you know, ultimately I had great experiences at the other gyms I was at too, but a gym who, you know, is on a winning streak, you know, knows exactly what to do to create champions. Like it was a, you know, it was very hard. It it was very hard and it was just eye-opening as to like, okay, this is how people train at these gyms. Like it was just crazy. Um, And back then there was like, you know, social media was honestly like just beginning. So it's not like you saw into the gyms like we do today, you know, you can 
you know, look around and you know what ha- is happening in gyms all over the country, like now, but you did not back then. You only saw grainy YouTube videos of their performances. <laughs> so, you know, and I remember like on the first competitions I went, the first competitions I went to in California, just being like totally ignorant to all the gyms that were out here and were like amazing. Um, you know, and that's just, you know, growing up in the Midwest and, you know, we were only focused on like, you know, we'd see Jim Time, who was, you know, absolutely phenomenal during that time and still are. But, you know, back then it was like crazy. And then, you know, Stingrays and, you know, what have you. But totally different beast out here on the West Coast uh, is what I learned. So that was, uh, you know, my cheer journey. And then at the end of that year, I had to call it quits. I had to focus on school. Um, I was not... I wasn't doing amazing in school. I was an engineering major at the time and trying to juggle moving across the country, cheering on a team like Cali Coed and going to school was like, it was, it was hard. Um, and I, you know, kudos to everyone who was able to like do it because it is, you know, hard to juggle all of that. Um, so I said goodbye to cheerleading from 2012 to basically 2015 um, when I ended up starting cheer theory. Um, so, you know, I kind of stepped out of the cheer world. And then in 2016, um, I was, you know, working my first full-time job outside of school um, in a marketing capacity for a business-to-business software company um, and was, you know, kind of bored in my role there and wanted to be working in consumer marketing and saw this opportunity to build something that did not exist in cheerleading and so I created Cheer Theory. And, um, you know, back then it was very difficult to find anywhere that was recording competition results, that was uh, tracking world's, uh, world's wins, world's medals, like all that stuff was kind of floating around in different arenas, whether it was on Twitter, on the fierce boards. But in, in my eyes and the way I saw it, it just wasn't organized in a way that was able to like, if you wanted to figure out who won Worlds in 2008 right now, like, could you do that? And the answer used to be no. But um, now the answer is yes, because of Cheer Theory, because of other websites, like, you know, and so, you know, then it's evolved from there. Um, And yeah, I'm super thankful that I uh, made Cheer Theory back when I did, because I think if I had waited any longer, um, other people would have done it before me. So I'm super happy that I chose that moment to pull the trigger. So talk to me. W- let's go back. So you said you were majoring in engineering at the time. Did you end up switching your major or wh- what happened? So finish the school story. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. So I started off in engineering, uh, quickly realized that I was not going to be doing math and physics for four years. I did that for one semester. And then my second semester, I was architecture because I thought that, okay, I like the design aspect of engineering, but don't like all of the math. Um, But then that didn't work out either. And then I switched to the business school and switched to marketing and realized that I could be creative there, still use some math, but not as crazy as, you know, all of the calculus, all of the math, all the science that you need for engineering. Yeah. And ended up in our business school and then throughout college worked at a bunch of startups that were tech focused. So, um, was very outside of the cheerleading arena, but um, kind of marries the cheer theory is kind of like the marriage of my love for technology and communication type of stuff and cheerleading. So, so do you still currently live in California right now? 
Yeah. So uh, I still live in San Diego. Um, so I'm coming up on my 11 year anniversary of living here in like a week, which is crazy. So I've lived here since uh, August of 2011. There we go. All right. So now, so now let's hop into cheer theory. So you, you, you start off in gymnastics gym. Wait, so how old were you when you started cheering? When I started cheering, I was, I was a freshman in high school. So what is that? 14, 14 or 15. Yeah, so like I that. didn't cheer for very long. So I cheered for five years. Okay, yeah. So then, so you do gymnastics. Yeah. So you start cheering. You go to a couple different gyms. You end with Ultimate, and then you move to San Diego. Then you do Cali Coed. For that, yeah, I'm trying to think. Who, 2011. Do I still know anyone? Oh no, you started to that. Your first season was 2011, 2012. Okay, let's dive in the cheer theory. Yeah. So I did not win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so after college, um, I took a full-time job with a business-to-business um, software company um, and was working in a marketing role that was you know, primarily focused on writing um, and social media and you know, a lot of different things because the, the company was very young back then. Um, and at the time, I was obsessed with the internet like in the broadest sense of the word. Like There were all of these really cool media news websites that had popped up and were doing really fun work and I was trying to merge some of the stuff that I was you know some of the stuff that I was doing at this company that I worked for with those interests but it was a little difficult because of the the industry that I was operating in um, and because it was business to business and what I really wanted was to work for a like marketing agency that focused on like business to consumer marketing, which was very different from what I was doing. And so, you know, at the time, the cheerleading was going through this like renaissance online where there was just a lot more, there was a lot more content available at the time. And I was like, you know, Twitter was, you know, very popular, you know, it was just like getting more popular. And it's when I realized that there just was not a website that was tracking and, um, was not tracking what was going on in cheerleading in any meaningful way. Um, you know, you had everybody posting things on social media. You had people posting stuff on the fierce boards. But I was, I was like, why is there not a website like every other sport or all these other different industries that is keeping track of these things in an organized way? And so I was like, all right, I'm going to build it. Like, I'm going to do this um, at, at night after I'm done working. Um, you know, it's a fun side project. So... Um, I started to build cheer theory and focused on uh, world's big competitions and keeping track of uh, world's medals. Um, before cheer theory, I can pretty conclusively say that there was not an accurate count of world's medals for programs mm -hmm. anywhere. Like there was one that was floating around, but it was like an op open Google sheet that people, anyone could edit. I was like, this is not right. Like, this is not correct. Um, so I, you know, created that and then, um, you know, as time went on, so I created the website and that was like very early 2016. And then the first competition that I went to, you know, as cheer theory was NCA that year. And, you know, I'm sitting in the arena and I'm like, okay, how am I going to cover this event? Like, it's not like, these are the days when also you, like, there was absolutely no service in the arena. Like you could not even text your friends, let alone like post videos or post pictures or like whatever it was. So what I started to do was just post a positive thing about every team that was coming out on the map, uh, on the map. 
on the mat. <laughs> Posted positive thing about every team that was coming on the mat. And I didn't know at the time that that was how I would be covering teams, you know, going into the future. Um, now that's kind of my gig. Um, but, you know, back then it was like, okay, like there, you know, there's other people who are posting deductions and like, you know, you know, we don't, it, it wasn't necessary to have another person also doing that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it this way. Like, I'm just going to post compliments about each team. And I don't think at the time I was fully going to commit to posting about every single team. Um, but that's just what ended up happening. And so that's how I started covering events moving on from there. And, um, you know, I must have gone that first year, that first season. I'm not 100% sure even how many competitions I went to. Um, and this is before live streaming was the norm too. So it's not like, it's not like today where I can cover almost every event from my home. Um, but so I do remember going to worlds that year. Um, and you know, some other stuff, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't organized in like any other way other than I was posting the results, posting the scores that I could find at the time on the website. So that's how it started. And then, you know, as time went on, I started covering more events, um, started covering them in what I feel is a more meaningful way, like making sure that every team gets posted about, um, especially on those really big competition weekends. Um, and, you know, now I have a whole system mm -hmm. for that. And, you know, I pull on help uh, when necessary. So, like, there's people helping me at big competitions, thankfully. Um, so, like, NCA, where, you know, you have 200 performances in a span of 12 hours um, in Worlds, of course. So... That's where it started. Um, and, you know, now where it's going is, you know, how do I create a platform that is, you know, sharing information that people want and are looking for in a more broad sense for the entire industry and not just cheerleading world's bit events. Um, you know, I've got a pretty good hold on that. And, you know, now I'm working on things that allow me to, you know, help the industry in other ways. So real quick, when you first started, did you start the website and the Twitter at the same, or basically at the same time, or did you have one before the other? Uh, the website and Twitter were created at the same time. Um, the, the Twitter account is pretty popular on competition weekends now. Um, but it was definitely the website was like the, the big main idea of cheer theory. Um, and now it has merged a lot into like the, the Twitter account is definitely the catalyst to everything that happens on the website. So, um, but the big idea was to collect all this information and put it on the website. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So first you were like, I'm going to create this. You really wanted to have the information for everyone, like the world's medals. And especially mm -hmm. now it's evolved into who's gotten bids, you know, who's in what division, those types of things. But then you, but you use the Twitter to kind of like promote it and get it out there. And obviously that's where people's eyeballs are, especially at the time everyone was on Twitter. Okay. And then that first year, did, were you funding everything like by yourself? Like, cause I can't imagine your first year making too much money off of the website. So you're just funding yourself to worlds and funding yourself to, to NCA and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's still like that. Like, yeah, everything is pretty much, you know, self-funded at the, the still, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, I was definitely not traveling as much as I am now, um, and doing as much as I do now, but yeah, it was definitely a hustle, you know, from the beginning and I had a full-time job. Um, and back then it wasn't as much work as it is now, but 
you know, I was working, you know, my Monday to Friday, nine to five, and then it was staying up and, you know, working on all this stuff in like the middle of the night. And I feel like that first year, there probably wasn't like a ton of work to do, like in the, you know, wee hours of the night. But as, as the summit grew and as the summit grew and as worlds grew, and like as cheerleading has evolved into what it is now, where we really have, people don't even realize how much information, more information is available right now than like ever before. Like we just went through an entire season where every single, the, what is it? Like 90% of the world's bit events were live streamed. All of that information is available online. And you know, you have all these other competitions happening and like everyone's posting. So like, there's just a lot more like going on that you want to keep track of. And so now it's like an entirely different beast. Like, yeah, like I, like, you know, I track summit bids, for example, and you know, I'm like sitting there watching it like everyone else and being like, okay, I'm like typing this out and like, I have a system for it. So like, it's, it's not as slow as it used to be, but it's, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot of manual data entry. All right. So walk me through this real quick. I go to cheer3.com. What is everything right now that the site, what can I find on the site right now? Like everything that, you know, I could find on a typical day. So you go on cheer theory right now. And up until pretty much last season, the majority of the information on cheer theory was about world's level teams or just the cheerleading world's events. Now, what I am attempting to do is I, last summer, I spent a significant amount of time building out what I've called the cheer theory directory, which is, it is what it sounds like. It's a directory that allows me to share every event that's going on in the industry. It allows me to show every program. It allows me to show businesses who are servicing the industry in a way that you know, people are actually looking for it. So people are always looking for recommendations within the industry. That's one of the like core things about cheerleading is people always look inwards, which is great. So it's like, if you need a uniform, you need music, you know, you need, you need literally anything. Like someone's always going to go inwards instead of looking to like, you know, a different, you know, generic provider. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I saw a need for some people to have a single platform to go look at that. And so, um, right now, if you went to Cheer Theory, what I'm working on is uploading all of the competitions for like every, every single event that is happening in cheerleading next year. So um, I just checked this morning, I'm up to 650. So I have uh, probably at this point 90% of all independent events uploaded. All the cheerleading world's bit events are uploaded. Um, and if there's an event producer who's not on there who wants to be on there, uh, there is no, there's no barrier. Like I will, I will do it. I'll upload it. So uh, what I'm trying to do is create a resource to make it easier for people to find the information they're looking for, and that's that's always been true. And now I'm trying to create a wider, broader audience for that. There we go. And if I'm a, so that's what gyms look for. Gym owners could go on there, find events that they want to go to. Are there anything? What would parents go on there for? Well, let's go parents and athletes. Yeah, so parents and athletes and your you know, regular fan, what people are looking for this time of year is just historical information. So like the most popular pages are my competition pages from last season. So it's the cheerleading world and the summit results. Um, NCA college nationals because of cheer are really popular pages. Like when cheer was released 
in February, you know, cheer had Netflix cheer had such a huge impact on not, you know, just cheerleading, but like the whole, you know, everybody who was watching. And so people were looking for that information. So that was really cool to see. And then I also provide, you know, blog style content as well. And so I've been going through, you know, some more like analysis type blog posts where it's like, did you need a full paid bid to win World Summit or D2 Summit? And obviously the answer to that is no, but breaking it down and seeing, okay, what percentage of teams who won Worlds had a full paid bid? And it's a lot of them. So, and then yeah, you pull out the huge, divisions. I remember who, reading that. I mean, it was a huge, it was a huge um, number. And I, I don't want to, I, I debate saying this, but I got to keep it real on the podcast. I thought about this. I have, I actually, of the teams that I have coached, me personally, not just like at our gym, I think I have coached per one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got seven summit championships. And of those seven, like six of them had paid bids, right? So it's like this super high number of like, oh yeah, seven of my, or six of my seven teams that I personally coached had paid bids going into the actual event. And obviously I've coached lots of other teams that didn't have paid bids, but it, it's not, and I always tell the kids, it doesn't guarantee you any points at the summit, but you know, there is a, it helps you as far as, the, it, it is a, it means something. A correlation there, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, but yeah, and and when I saw you, because I thought about that before I saw your, you know, data on it and was like, oh yeah, that kind of lines up with, you know, my experience as a coach, right? But anyway, but yeah, continue. Yeah, and then, well, another point to the paid bids is then, you know, a couple weeks later, it came out that USASF wasn't going to allow event producers to award full paid bids to non-tumbling teams. And I was like, wait a second. I just went through all of this. And I was like, they're not, it's not like they're winning a disproportionate amount of these bids. And I, I was not in those, like, I have no idea what those conversations at USASF's national meeting were about it or, you know, what the concerns were. So it's really hard to form an opinion about it without knowing that information. But the first step would be like, are they winning all of the bids because their score sheet is different? And the answer is no. And in fact, Varsity changed their bid declaration to make it easier to get full paid bids like after all of those December competitions because people were complaining about it. So I was very surprised by that. But um, one of the reasons that I like tracking all this information is sometimes it's not useful, but then the, the situation comes up and it's like, okay, it's actually really nice to know all of this stuff. And you know, you get to the end of the season and you're like, these are the biggest, most popular divisions or like, like how big non-tumbling is, you know, you get to worlds and you have, you know, 65 plus teams in each of these divisions. Like that's crazy. And it's like, there's, you know, it's, there's very clear reasons why that's happened, you know, and we've seen it happen with every division that they, you know, add to the mix. So just interesting tidbits of information. We can go on. We can find the blogs. We've got the summit bid information, which you know we don't have the world's team, so I'm always on looking at summit. Like who got who got the paid bids? Who got the at large bids? You know what's coming up. Um, do you do stuff for? I know you're mentioning like you know event producers can put their events on there. Can choreographers or music producers put their stuff on the website? Yeah, absolutely. So I work with. Um, I work with, you know, at least one music producer um, who has his stuff on the website and then, yeah, choreographers too. So 
Um, I started with competitions. Um, you know, when I when I launched the directory last year, I uploaded all the information I could find. So if you were anywhere in the peripheral of these different categories, it was uploaded the first time. And then now as I build out the directory, what I focused on is the competition portion of it, just because that's the information that people are used to seeing on the website and that I know people are looking for that information. But yeah, I work with all different types of businesses. So um, apparel, choreographers, uh, music producers, camp providers, uh, photographers. I don't know if I said that. Um, so yeah, anyone, anyone who services the cheer industry, I've got Do a place you work for you. with podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, of course, Jason, I work with media. There's a media <laughs> section. All right. So Alex, um, you have the, the website, right? The Twitter, everything, all the media, but here's actually my other question. Are you still involved in the industry outside of you know, the website, like, so are you doing coaching, choreography? Are you involved in any other aspects of the industry currently right now? Or were you? Sure. So right now I am not, but um, two years after I had created the website, it was the B, it was the end of 2017, the beginning of 2018. Um, I started to have conversations with GK, um, the elite sportswear brand. Um that most people know, uh, some iconic uniforms. Uh, so what they were doing at the time was they were creating a new brand or they were rebranding GK Cheer into GK All-Star. And they were trying to breathe some new life into it um, with a brand new team that was going to operate separately from um, the rest of the elite sportswear family, which was gymnastics and swim um, and their sideline cheer division. So, um, it was an amazing opportunity um, that I ended up taking um, in February of 2018. Um, it was a part of this very small, knit, um, awesome group of people. Um, and I worked there for almost three years, um, which is, uh, at the time, was something that I didn't publicize, over-publicize, or really make a part of cheer theory. Uh, cheer theory was, cheer theory was never a part of GK um, and still is not to this day. It's completely separate. Um, and so obviously when you go work for one of the big apparel brands, uh, it can cause some animosity with other companies if you are trying to cover their events. And so it was just something that I didn't publicize on Cheer Theory, um, even though it was a huge part of my career. And um, when I was there, I learned a ton. Um, it was the first time that I was working full time uh, in the industry. Uh, so my entire life was engulfed by this experience and was able to, you know, focus on cheerleading 100% of the time and, you know, got to travel and, you know, go to a bunch of competitions. Um, and so it really helped me, you know, build out my career in kind of a different way than I think a lot of people see careers in cheerleading. Um, I mean, it's definitely not something I would have thought was possible. So I was working as their marketing manager and leading all of their marketing messaging and promotional materials and leading their ambassador program. So um, I think that if, you know, you know, athletes today are looking for career paths within cheerleading, you know, coaching, owning a gym, being a choreographer, being a music producer, I feel like are some of the things that people focus on the most when there are, in my opinion, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity to do other stuff as well. So, and working at GK opened up my eyes to that, you know, you have real fashion designers, supply chain management, uh, factory management, inventory, uh, 
you know, you know, everything you can think of under the sun, you know, there's something you can do within, you know, the cheer industry, which is, I don't think people talk about a lot. So. Yeah. I think the only path we really think of is, you know, you coach, you own a gym and, and there you go. Right. You might do camps and clinics and stuff like that, but you know, it's good. I really like my friends. I really, the one thing I hear from my friends and it kind of sounds like you said this too, but who work in those industries, they get to have the taste of like the, the quote unquote real world, but still stay connected to cheer at the same time. Right. And they get to be a part of, and you know, GK is a business business. Like it's not a mom and pop, you know, business. It's a business business, right? So you're actually seeing how like real operations work, especially when you talked about like when you went from, when you went to California All-Stars and you're like, oh, this is like a gym doing it at like this caliber where you like really see the difference between, you know, that gym and the other gyms you're at. Um, The same thing when you go to something like GK where you're like, oh yeah, these guys are professionals, right? And you're able to take that experience, you know, with you to, you know, really expand. So real quick, I want to hop back to cheer theory. What is, like when you're, middle of season middle of comp season right and you know everything's heavy what's like the hardest part of of the of your job the hardest part is that everything happens at the same exact time on a saturday and sunday so mm-hmm. all of the updates all of the competitions um it is just it is there is so much work that has to be done in such a short period of time for what i appear like you have a very short window to get things updated and for people to see them when they care about it. So if, you know, you know, people care about Saturday's results, like an hour after they're done competing and then they'll never be, you know, it won't be important anymore or on, you know, the same thing on Sunday. Um, and like, there's a lot of competition to get that information out as well. So that's the hardest part. And then, you know, from a life standpoint, it's like you, you know, you work in cheerleading, you work in this event space where, you know, everyone else is living this Monday through Friday life and then Saturday and Sunday are their days off. And then, you know, that is when we're the busiest and, you know, that's when everyone's like, you know, trying to live their lives. So I think that's, that's the hardest part for me um, is that, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're busy when other people are not and you're not busy when other people are busy. I heard that. So. All right, now I want to ask you this, because you mentioned this slightly. Well, you mentioned that, you know, you first started, you're covering the teams, and instead of reporting deductions and, you know, the mishaps that happened on the floor, you want to, you know, send out something positive. Hey, they look great here. They did this real strong creative routine, right? So in the recent years, we've seen these anonymous accounts pop up, and I'm sure they're going to continue to grow with TikTok, you know, but they're popping up on Instagram now and on Obviously, they're all over Twitter, and it's been been part of like the negative culture of the industry are these like anonymous accounts. So, what do you kind of say as like really a leader in the space? What do you have to say to these anonymous accounts? So, before I speak to the anon accounts, what I can say about anons in general is that they only have as much power as you give them. And so from my perspective and the way that, you know, I have my own social media set up, you know, specifically Twitter, that's where the nastiest stuff happens. You know, you, there are ways to set up your account so that you don't see it and you don't have to be 
you don't have to be so involved in it. But that doesn't change the fact that these people are out there. But from, you know, what can I do personally about what some rude person, you know, God knows where in the country, you know, tweeting about some team that they could never be on. I can't do anything to stop them. But what I can do is post the stuff that is positive and will make an athlete on that team or their coach or whoever feel better or feel good about, you know, whatever they put on that floor. So I think a lot of attention is put on what can we do to stop these people? Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but there is nothing we can do to stop them because you can, and from my perspective, at least, because you can look at any other industry, look at any professional sports agency and or team and you know, they're getting inundated with, you know, people who are saying even worse things. And of course, like, okay, yes, those people are adults of professional sports. They signed up for this, but it's, it's the same concept where you just can't control it. So, you know, to those people who are posting, like I would say, I don't, I don't under, like it is so much, well, I will say it's much easier to be critical of a team and to point out the flaws than it is to say something nice about every team. Like that is, that is, in my opinion, like it is so much harder to say something nice. Like it'd be so much easier to, you know, sit there and be like, this looks, this looks bad. Let's like bad. Because especially in a sport like cheerleading, like everything is choreographed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So if it's not perfect, it's immediately clear (laughs) that that was off time or that fell or like, it's just, you know, the nature of the, you know, the beast. But I have a lot of, opinions about how the industry reacts to anons because you know people people will go off on them or you know we have entire twitter accounts you know dedicated to sharing people's opinions and it's like it's it's not helpful but then then people interact with it and like they they you know lift it up so it's hard you know it's hard to like watch it you know but all i can do is you know, be an example of, you know, positivity. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny is when I see stuff, I've been more on TikTok than like anything else pretty much recently. I guess I still am on Instagram. Sure. But, you know, I'm on TikTok and I go and I'll see a video that just, you know, irks me, right? And I'm like, ah! And, you know, my first instinct is like, I want to comment back, right? Or, Or do something. But I know simply by interacting with the video, I give it more power. Like just literally, like just on the algorithm, I give it more power just by interacting with the video, right? By saying this is a load of crap, blah, blah, blah. Like that automatically boosts it and, you know, it's going to share it with 10 more people, right? So like my thing now is just like, you just got to ignore it. Not even, don't even finish watching the video. Don't give them the the runtime. Like just ignore it because you're absolutely right. The more we feed the interactions and that's just on the algorithm side but you know the more i share retweet even the negative it pushes it out to everyone else to go and you know fuel that and you know makes people continue but so that's twitter um like the you know that's what one part of cheer let's go broad i got your opinion on just the anonymous accounts let's get your opinion just on the state of all-star where we're at right now so we've got 
the new United scoring system. We got All-Star Worlds. We've got the new, you know, Federation that's here. All these, like, different things. What's your kind of a, you know, from this outside perspective, at least outside of the gym perspective, what's your, like, opinion on what's going on in cheer right now? Like, the state of cheer? Sure. Loaded question, right? Uh, So, I think it's a... it's a really interesting time in cheerleading. Um, I think that, you know, over the years, like anyone who's been involved literally at any level will tell you that cheerleading is turbulent and lots of drama. Like I'm sure that you have moments where you're telling anyone outside of this industry what is going on. And they're like, they're like, what? They're like in all-star cheerleading, there is this much drama and, you know, sometimes chaos and it's like yeah like the, and it's so i feel like we're so normalized to it but uh what i think is going on now i think is very interesting because i think unlike previous times where you have people who are clearly unhappy with the state of the industry whether it's because of the governing body or because of one corporate entity or you know whoever it is i think the difference is before it was a lot of little voices who little voices as in like people not bonded together saying saying okay we're really unhappy all of us are really unhappy but now what's happening is like there's a group of people who are saying we're unhappy and we're going to do something about it and i think i've had your theory for 6 years now and i think in my time i've never seen a such a coordinated effort to do something about what it is they're unhappy about. So, and I say they in a very broad sense of the term, like you could, you could put that on anything. So it's like the easiest one is, you know, the new world all-star federation, you know, meeting that happened last week. You have a very, you have a not insignificant amount of event producers who are already a part of the open and the all-star worlds um, and represent a large portion of events that happen in the United States. And, you know, I think before, if I had to guess, a lot of these event producers, you know, weren't friends, you know, weren't aligned, you know, from a business perspective. And now I think there's a lot who are. And so I think it will be interesting. And, you know, it would be really easy to, you know, be super dramatic about this and be like hyperbolic about, you know, what I think is going to happen to, you know, the, you know, big dogs down the street, but I don't think that's helpful to the conversation. I think that what is interesting is how both parties react moving forward and will real change happen. And there's all sorts of different change that people want to happen. From my point of view, you have judging and scoring, which directly, you know, relates to the sport and the everyday competition, which I care greatly about, you know, as someone who follows, you know, cheerleading so closely. And then you have all of the issues that stemmed from, you know, the sexual predators and, you know, the, you know, the Jerry Harris situation that I think really, you know, blew everything up in 2020. Um, And I think that, you know, that event was a catalyst to a lot that's happened in the past couple of years. And I think that, you know, I think we always would have gotten to this point where people, you know, are clearly branching off and saying, okay, we're not okay with like what's going on anymore. But now I think you're really seeing like the work of a lot of people who have, you know, there's a lot of people who've been working for a long time to make this stuff happen. And, you know, I think, I think it's good 
I think it's good for the industry to have competition and to, you know, give people what they want. So, you know, you know, some people like apples and some people like oranges and people are going to pick apples and oranges this season and some people are going to pick both. So it'll be really interesting to see. Um, I think that there's a lot of stake for a lot. There's a lot at stake for a lot of people too. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are like putting themselves out there. So, yeah, I think it, ultimately, I think it puts the gyms in the gyms and the athletes in a precarious position. Cause it's like, how do you move forward? Because sometimes it is like, you have to go with one or the other, you know, for an event, right? Like, you, cause people have rules about things, mm-hmm. but, um, and I mean, ultimately that's what it's about, right? It's about the sport moving forward. So the only thing that I want is for the sport to be bigger. I would love cheer to be a part of more mainstream culture. Um, kind of in every sense of the word, um, you know, whether it's having opportunities in college, having professional opportunities, whether that's as an athlete or, you know, a professional who's working, um, you know, it's hard, you know, I, it, people have been unhappy for so long that like something has to happen. Like someone has to do something or else, you know, none of it survives, yeah. right? In a meaningful way. Yeah, it's a very... It is a very interesting time in this sport. And like, like you said, I was, we have a front desk, a guy who works in our hospitality um, department at the gym. And I was telling him something about varsity. And, you know, he doesn't know anything about cheer. And I was telling him something about varsity and like lawsuits are going through. And, you know, I was like, yeah, there's like some lawsuit. And, and then he saw it on Twitter like the next day and was like, Dude, so varsity is he's like comes, he's like, I just read like this five page, you know, thing about varsity going through. And so like it, yeah, trying to explain like everything that's going on to people who are outside of it, it's just a crazy time in the industry. And with the new governing body potentially, um, you know, that's a wild you know, usually when these things pop up, because we, we see them, you know, kind of pop up all the time, like you said, like these these little voices. But now that I see that less is behind, less Stella is behind, it's a World All-Star Federation, he's behind that. Like that actually makes me go, well, this one can yeah. actually like compete, you know, because Les is an awesome guy. Anyone who knows Les knows he's an awesome guy. And he like, he's a, he's a man of the people for real, for real. So anything he's behind has a real opportunity of being very successful. So it is like the first time when I'm like really thinking, you know, varsity or USASF, however you want to slice it, like really is going to have some like real competition on their hands or like a real, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, hopefully, um, hopefully everything works out best for the athletes and the gyms who are actually doing this every day. So, yeah, crazy time. I guess we will find out what happens. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. You have Les Stella, uh, and then you have, you know, his whole reputation. And, you know, if, and then if you have, like, all the event producers that are behind the Open and the also Worlds, that's like, it's like 35 event producers. So it's not to say that, you know, some could not be a part of it. Like, you can't, you know, no one knows right now. But it's, for those who don't know, you know, who aren't as deeply like knowledgeable about the situation, just like, it's a lot, like it's a, there's, it's a lot of events. It's a lot of companies who are saying, okay, we're ready for something new. 
<laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Here we are. Lestella, you are invited onto the show. Come on the show. Let's talk about cheerleading less. Come on, man. Yes, and that would be a great. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we got all these different events going on. You've been to 8,000 different events. What is your favorite event in the industry? Yeah, so uh, my favorite event to be a spectator at and watch cheerleading in one place is NCA. There is absolutely nothing like that uh, where you have all the elite teams competing back to back for such a long period of time in a venue that is perfectly set up to view a stage. Um, so that's my, you know, I'd say that's my favorite varsity event. And then my favorite independent event is jams. Love my friends at jams. Um, they've been really good to me. Um, and again, you know, just their spectator. I view everything from a spectator experience, which is different than a lot of other people would view events. So any event that puts in the effort to make it easier for a spectator to enjoy cheerleading, I'm all about. There we go. Um, so Jams does that from a production standpoint, from their staff production, you know, all of it. There we go. And so this is a random question. What have you like learned, like sitting in the stands, like watching routines, what have you, like, what have you like just learned as a spectator, like just watching routines over the years? Yeah, cheerleading has changed a lot. If you don't watch a ton of cheerleading, I don't think you like understand like how much it's changed. Like even from season to season from, you know, the obviously last season was the first, you know, post COVID season, but that compared to our last normal season, everything is so fast. Like everything is so quick. Like we're jamming so much into these routines and routines. People have gotten so much better at choreography across the board. Um, I think that there's a bigger, there must be a bigger group of choreographers who are catching on to this new style of like fully integrated routines with seamless transitions. Um, that's something that is totally different than, you know, what things used to be like. Um, and just the skills are so much harder. Like you go back and look at, you know, the early years of Worlds and, or, you know, NCA or whatever. And, um, you know, we went from doing, you know, pretty basic skills to doing like elite skills with 12 groups um, pretty quickly. So, you know, and everyone still expects the same things out of these teams, right? We all expect them to be perfect. But like, of course, there are mistakes because they're, everyone is doing such high caliber skills. So I think from from a choreography perspective, I feel like the loving the playing field has been leveled a little bit. Like you have you have gyms across the board of all shapes and sizes with super intricate, interesting routines. There we go. And I'm going to ask you, even though those 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 two were, I'm asking you all all cheer. What we're going to find out what you like as a as a spectator. Since that's how you spent, that's what I'm trying to do. You're living the dream right now. You're living the dream where you just get to watch cheerleading. You don't have to coach it or, you know, deal with all the stresses of it. Jason, I am not living the dream. Dude, you, I am not living the dream. You're living it. Like watching cheerleading. Yeah, man. All right. So what's your, give me some of your favorite routines over the years. You know, anyone who follows me knows I'm a ride or die Stingray Orange fan. I love Stingrays. I love their style of cheerleading. Um, it is just, it's so clean. It's so technical. They care about the details. Like that's, I can appreciate all cheerleading, but I will say that that is my favorite style. Um, but then there's teams like Top Gun Revelation, which you would never put that in the same category as Orange from a stylistic perspective. 
but they're amazing. Like it's like you just they're doing things that you just don't expect and that no one else is doing. Um, so those are two of my favorite routines from last year. Uh, my favorite routine of all time is Cali Lady Bowls from 2011. I will never get over watching that routine. And they were the the other thing I love about them, and you know, kind of back to my GK you know experience is I remember walking in to NCA. It must have been 2011. And they were stepping on the floor and I just happened to walk in and they looked like they were like dripping in diamonds because they were wearing one of the first GK all-star uniforms. And it was just all the Swarovski. And that was before, that was before that was normal. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, not only are they like these sick athletes, they also have this like amazing uniform. And um, I think that was like the beginning of the rhinestone era of cheerleading. But, (laughs) you know, some of my, also people who follow me will know that that I'm a big Swarovski fan. So uh, enjoy, I very much enjoyed that aspect of my job. All right. Give me your favorite world's division to watch. Global was really fun to watch. Global co-ed was really fun. And I'm not just saying that because Smoed was in the division. There were also some other really great teams. Electric was phenomenal. Like I said, I'm already a Stingrays fan. Um, Top Gun was in that division. And, you know, classic Top Gun style to like totally flip the script on what was probably perceived to be like an appropriate global style and they made it into a magic show like how ridiculous is that and it was that was one of those routines where i i remember sitting at nca and i also remember seeing them at world and one of the great parts about spectating so much is that you sit next to so many cheer moms and you get to watch them react to things Mm -hmm. and people reacting to top guns actual magic tricks the one where they split the body in half i don't know if you know (laughs) what i'm talking about but that actually made people in the audience go, oh, yeah. how did they do yeah. that? I'm like, you're joking, right? Like, you saw it. I'm like, that is... They did... I, okay, so kudos to Top Gun and whoever choreographed their team because you, you, gooped, you gooped the parents. So, um, yeah, that's... Yeah, we didn't, we didn't even get to talk about all the things I hear and see uh, when I'm spectating all day in the stands. So... If you if you think cheer nods are bad, you should hear what some cheer parents say right. in the arena at NCA because same caliber, same caliber. Sorry. <laughs> All right, give me your favorite lower level division. Uh so my favorite junior, uh, well, lower level divisions are junior and senior level three. Uh, I saw a ton of the routines West uh, West Coast based teams this year. I, they were the divisions alternating with the world's divisions at Duel in the Desert. And I think that what people are able to do with level three routines are super creative and impressive. Um, I know you have one of those teams, so. Let's go. You know, here we go. We, we represent. All right, here we go. So what make, I know you mentioned choreography, but I'm just saying, I'm going to tee this one up again. What do you think makes a great routine? Sure. I think a great routine is one that doesn't allow the crowd to look away. So you don't really think that in two minutes and 30 seconds, there's a lot of opportunity for the audience to lose their attention, but there is, like, it's crazy. Like, you know, anytime that I try and show cheerleading to someone who's non-cheer related, like they're always looking away. Like they're always looking away from the screen. Um, And I think that the teams that really succeed and you know, have 
the crowd behind them are ones that they're thinking of every aspect of it. You know, it doesn't stop. Um, like pyramids, for example, like you always know if someone got great pyramid choreography because at no point during the pyramid will all of the stunts be down. Like there always has to be at least one or two groups up doing something. And that's something that's changed a lot over the years too. Like people have gotten very good at uh, pyramid choreography. I always tell, like when I go, even with our own pyramids, when I go work with other teams and I'm like, oh, you got to cut these beats right here. You got to cut these beats. I always tell them like, you want your routine or especially your pyramid, you want your pyramid to be so fast that if one kid misses one trick, the whole thing crumbles. Like you don't want that to happen, but you want it to be so fast paced that if one kid just misses something that the whole thing just, you know, well, we had a cool pyramid, but you can't see it now because we're missing like one person. So anyway, but yeah. Okay. So let's, let's hop into these last, um, these last three questions. Um, What needs to start, stop and or change in the industry? Sure. I knew you were going to answer this, ask this question because I listened to your other episodes today. Uh, so I think that one thing that uh, needs to start is more collaboration. Um, you know, I alluded to this earlier where you're seeing this trend of people, you know, starting to work together on a, you know, on a, in creating like a real foundation together. And I think that a lot of times in our industry, people tend to stay in their silos and, you know, it's a hyper competitive industry. And uh, one thing that I learned from working, you know, professionally in and out of cheerleading is that in every industry, you know, you're going to have those cutthroat moments. You're going to have a lot of competition, but I think the difference is, is that in cheerleading, it always feels personal. So I think that something that should start and stop is, you know, more collaboration and, you know, enough of like the personal you cutthroat moments. And I think you see that really from like the top to the bottom, you know, at least in my experience. Yeah. All right. I'll give you that. Let's go. Okay. So give me now, I'm not saying I've heard any rumors or myths about you, any rumors about you, but just in case, this is your time, Alex. Are there any myths, rumors, or narratives that you want to debunk right now? Uh, I don't think there's anything serious. I think one that I did think of was somebody once asked me if I named Cheer Theory after Orange Theory or was inspired by Orange Theory, which is the you know workout gym, Yeah. Uh, which is funny enough, I go to. But when I named Cheer Theory... It was it was before Cheer Theory was in San Diego, and I lived here, so I had I'd never heard of it before. Um, but it is weird that Cheer Theory is orange, and the only reason that Cheer Theory is orange is because when I signed up for the Twitter account back in the day, when you signed up, you had to choose a color scheme, or it allowed you to choose a color scheme that your entire dashboard would be. Um, and I chose orange for whatever reason. Um, so that's the reason it's true theory and not orange theory. Um, I think that that's the only rumor I've ever heard, I'm sure. So I'll get text messages from people who like regularly help me out on like big competition weekends thinking that like people think that they're cheer theory. Like sometimes there's this like, there's a lot of people who don't know who I am, which is totally fine, but they like think that I'm other people or they think that cheer theory is other people. So yeah. it's me. There you go. I know. I, I would say that you're not as 
of the, you know, I think everyone knows that DJ is behind cheer updates, but for a long time, I didn't know who you were, like who you, uh, you know, the Alex was behind cheer theory. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, wonder, I was like, I wonder if we're like sharing, are we, have we just shared you with the world? Like, does everyone know? I guess everyone knows now with our, you have more followers than, than us. So, you know, yeah. anyway. Jason, you were one of the first people who reached out to me. I remember it. Yeah, of course. I was, you know, I have a long story because who connected us? Was it Years Lindsay or Christina? I guess, I guess she goes by both names. I have a story to tell you off air that I cannot tell on air. <laughs> um, subscribe to my Patreon and okay. you'll get to hear the full story. I don't have a Patreon. Um, <laughs> but there's a story I have to tell Ooh, you, you off air. Join, join our Discord. Yeah, man. <laughs> this story about the lady that, that connected us. Anyway, um, all right, here we go. Last question. We, we've talked about it for a while, but where can the people find you and, you know, you know, follow you online. Not you, you. Well, I guess you can shout out your handle, too, if you want. But, you know. Oh, super easy. Most people find us on Twitter. Find me on Twitter, Cheer Theory. Instagram, trying to pump that up a little bit. TikTok, I am the Cheer Theory because someone took Cheer Theory. So if, if you are the person who took it and would like to give it to me, I'll give you a t-shirt. Um, and then CheerTheory.com. There we go. Alex, Easy peasy. you are welcome back anytime, man. Thanks for coming. Alex, thanks again for joining the show. You were a wonderful, fantastic guest, and I wish you the best of luck traveling around this season. I know you're living, you got the hard life having to watch cheerleading all day as your job. Absolutely love it. I'm totally jealous, but you're the man. You're welcome back anytime. Everyone else, share this podcast, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, take the survey, leave a donation, and until next time, 5678, we're out. Gym owners, directors, coaches, can you relate to this? You say to yourself, this season is going to be different. We're going to get all of our teams on the same page. Or maybe you're saying, we're going to get all of our coaches on the same page. You look out as the teams are practicing, or maybe as they are competing, and you know you can do more. Let me help you. I work with several gyms, large and small, each season, whether it's the summer and we do a coach's clinic or a stunt camp, or it's during the season and we do an in-person routine cleaning. I even do routine video reviews if you're just looking for some thorough feedback of the routine. You send me your routine and I send you a video back of your routine with everything I would fix and how I would fix it. Teams I have worked with have gone on to be world champions, NCAA all-star champions, NCAA collegiate champions, summit champions, and D2 summit champions. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can reach me via email at jasonlarkins at me.com or you can DM me on Instagram at jasonlarkins. Hey, Let's Talk Cheer podcast listeners. Although this episode has come to an end, there are a few other cheer podcasts out there that you can add to your weekly routine. If you're a gym owner or gym director and want to dive more into the business side of things, then check out the Connecting People and Profits podcast with host Dan Cotton. If you're a former cheerleader and want to hear the success stories from other former cheer athletes after their cheering days are done, then you'd love the Life After Cheer podcast with host Danielle Donovan. And if you want to hear the stories of the best athletes in the industry doing it at the highest level and their perspective on how to change the narrative of the sport, then the Spill the Cheer podcast with Tony G is for you. Check one of them out. Check them all out. And I'll see you guys next week.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Do me a quick favor, hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about this podcast. It's a great way for you to show your support for the channel. I'm your host, Jason Larkins, and you've reached the end of Let's Talk Cheer with Jason. Thanks for listening.